Welcome to the RF Elements Unlicensed Podcast. I'm Caleb. As always, we got Tassos on the ones and twos over here. And this week, we're excited to be joined by Ryan Gruel from Smartway Communications. Ryan has graciously taken his time out of his busy week during thunderstorm season, which is now seven, eight months long, uh, right. to talk to us today. So hopefully, fingers crossed, we, we get through this session okay. But um, it was Ryan, again, Super great to talk to us. Before we hop into this, though, Tassos, please give the good people out there their call to action. Yeah, absolutely. Don't forget to like, listen, or subscribe to our channel right here on YouTube or anywhere you download your audio podcasts like Apple, Google, or Spotify. All right, all right. So, Ryan, um, you know, you, you've been really um, vocal on stuff on the Wiz Talk chats and a lot. So, a lot of people know who you are, but for those that don't, um, you know, just keep a quick introduction, who you are, what you do, the areas you serve. Uh, and if you don't mind, give us a little bit of history. Give us some background info as to uh, why this particular calling in life has found you and why now that uh, you can't sleep in thunderstorms and things like yeah, that. Yeah, so. So, first off, <laughs> so thank you guys was. for inviting me on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So thanks for inviting me on, guys. And uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm Ryan Rule. I run Smartway Communications. It's the neediest girlfriend I've ever created. Um, so it, uh, it, the WISP was something I started in, uh, 2014 in Eastern Ohio. Uh, initially it was a joke, um, still sometimes is, but it, it initially was a joke that we just kind of were like, I think I can do that. Uh, I had a friend that, that needed internet and it was like 30 miles away. And, uh, I said, let's just, you know, how hard could it be? And, uh, <laughs> so we started diving in and before Surprise. we knew it, oh yeah, yeah, like, never ending um but it, it was you know we started connecting tower to tower um just ubiquity air max m gear back in the day and uh you know i bought 900 megahertz gear not knowing anything about anything was like oh yeah this has the best propagation of course we're gonna use this and uh started using that for distribution and and quickly pivoted away um but uh we we started out just to connect some friends um before we knew it people at you know the coffee shops and things you know rural ohio uh, uh, gathering places, they started hearing about what we were doing and, uh, churches, schools, hospitals, uh, police departments and, you know, neighboring, you know, towns started asking, can you do that for me? And I'm like, I, I guess, you know, I, you really need that. Do you really want that? I always had good internet. I lived in town. And, uh, so we just, you know, started hooking people up and, uh, you know, what really pivoted it from being just a side project to being my career and, and uh, all that consumes me is, uh, a woman we had installed. She had like, she was connected with a different wisp, like old cambium FSK gear getting, you know, a couple hundred kilobits and, uh, just poorly connected. We went and switched her over and she came out with a plate of cookies and she like cried on my shoulder. And I'm like, lady, it's just Netflix. Like, I don't understand the emotion here. And, uh, she explained that the local school district did away with textbooks, gave everybody Chromebooks, but their internet didn't, wouldn't suffice for it. So they, uh, they were going to McDonald's and a town 10 miles away for four hours every night to do homework. And, uh, we made it so that they no longer had to travel and could do everything at home. And, uh, it was like, oh, there's something to this. And, uh, we were like, this is just what we want to do. So we've, we've blown up now. We're in uh, 12 counties. Um, wow. we're on track to be in, uh, roughly 20 counties over the next two years. And we're also working on a bunch of acquisitions. So that's, that's where we are and who I am. Very cool. Yeah. When people, 
don't have access and they finally do like it's just a shift like my parents are live in the middle of nowhere georgia and they finally got reliable service versus running raggedy lte for years and mom called yeah. me she's almost in tears she's like i can do all this stuff now we can pay our bills like dad can sit up all night watching the storms on the radar on this phone like it's just exactly you know you almost take it for granted if you have access and reliable broadband for a long time you know realizing just the the quality of life shift it is so you know a lot of people yeah, yeah. joke it's just about netflix or whatever but you know so many things are reliant on having a good stable connection not even, not even necessarily the fastest you know they're not on a super high speed thing but like now they can do all the stuff that i've taken for granted over the years so you know upgrade mm-hmm. your phones and pay bills without spending 30 minutes getting wound up to it so it's definitely i mean yeah it's a little cliche but it, it changes your life for sure for sure oh it really it's, does it's not and that's yeah yeah go ahead sorry <laughs> yeah no i mean it's not cliche i mean it's 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 fact <laughs> you know like you said, you know, it's not about speed, it's about reliability and having something that's there when you need it is really what it comes down to, you know? So it is, it is life-changing. I mean, you know, I got to places where there wasn't internet and like, it seems like your life just falls apart. You're like, wait, wait, I can't email. Hold on. I was like, I don't even need a fast connection for email. I don't want to, I don't want to watch Netflix. I want to just email something and you can't even, you can't even do that sometimes. And your whole world stops like, oh, I've got to change what I'm doing right now. And and come up with an alternate plan of some sort. You know, it's it's huge. Yeah, it's you know, it's amazing. Um, I take it for granted because I've always been connected. I've been a very connected person, tech nerd. You know, from the time I was old enough to to put my hands on a keyboard, you know, type of thing. And so I've just always been there and didn't realize that five minutes outside of town, I didn't have a lot of friends that were out of town. So five minutes outside of our downtown, you just, it's digital desert. And, uh, you know, once I started connecting people, you start to realize the scope and scale of things. And then I got really into the off-road community, the ATVs and stuff like Southern West Virginia, the Hatfield McCoy trails, all of that. That was like my okay. playground for years. And I'd go down there and then you get to talking because like, that's like salt of the earth. Like the, the most amazing people are down there and you start talking about people and they ask you what you do and you, you mention it and then they get like this twinkle in their eye. They're like, how can you help me? And then, so I started connecting communities down there just as like side project, like different campgrounds and cabins and stuff. But there were areas down there that just, they, you had no cell service. You had a landline that only works sometimes and, uh, things like that. And I'd start stringing connections along and it, the whole thing just really, really grew. Yeah, I uh, story time, I guess. I was doing a lot of work uh, in a past life in West Virginia along the Ohio River. That, the whole valley, we were coming all the way down and shooting over the big project. But, you know, we were up on mountaintops, you know, in an hour in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, we we're on top of the mountain working at the tower site. And, you know, people would start rolling up in ATVs and trucks. And we we're like, man, we're kind of in banjo country down here. Yeah, we're a little bit nervous and stuff until we quickly realized you know, we were like, what are you guys doing? You know, and they're like, oh, we're just, we, we got to check our email. We got to pay some bills. So they would find like the one spot in the highest part within a 30, 40 minute drive where they could get enough cell service to, you know, try to live right. their lives and stuff. So and we we're like, they're like, what are you guys doing? We're like, oh, we're hooking up internet service. You know, we're putting in some uh, uh, CBRS gear and stuff. And we got, man, we got free sodas. We got free Gatorades, like sandwiches. People were like, yes, yes, anything you need. You get stuck, give us a call. So it was, um, you know, yeah, it's, you know, when you're, when you're that far isolated, it's, it's tough for sure. For sure. So primarily what areas do you cover, uh, in Ohio? Just generally, you know, generally geographically, I guess. 
Yeah, so um, we're considered East Central Ohio, um, but it's like East Central to Southeast Corridor. Um, so big towns that we're in between, like our headquarters is equidistant to Cleveland, Columbus, and Pittsburgh. So if you draw a, a circle on all three to intersect, like we are right here, and uh, so it's like an hour and 45 minutes uh, drive to each of those. And uh, so we serve kind of, a, we've ballooned out from, that now we did an acquisition last year um, of a company and that put us all the way to the Ohio River. Um, picked up you know, Jefferson County, Carroll County, Harrison County. Um, so we're we're Tuscarawas County here for those of you familiar with Ohio. And um, it, it's uh, you know we've kind of just continued to spider out and and grow further and further beyond that. But our primary um, locations are that that East Central Ohio into Southeast Ohio. Uh, zone our our goal because if you look at the broadband maps um ohio like the southeast is where it's really lacking here and uh that's our goal is just to continue to push into the southeast now are you doing are you guys doing any fiber too or are you primarily just wireless or what are you doing there so we are 100 percent wireless today um we are mm-hmm. um currently exploring fiber it's you know it's just another tool um, our belief is that fixed wireless um, has the speed of deployment advantage, and the problem is here today. And I, I always, and I'm not trying to go on a tangent, but I always go with this tale of two third graders. You got the third grader that you can throw up fixed wireless and solve their internet problem today, and then you got the third grader that turns into an eighth grader before they're they're served by the guy that you know, was building yeah. fiber to them. And, and that's Amen. you know. Yeah, so it's just for us, it's one of those where I'm just going to continue pushing into my wireless full tilt, and then my fiber, I'm going to come back through and and build to my areas where I know I have the base. And so I haven't, fiber's not been immediate on my radar because for me, it's, I can connect more families with the, the wireless and make a bigger impact in the communities I'm in than if I go put fiber on three streets over the course Thank of you. a year and a half, you know. Yeah. Thank you. That's, I mean, that's, that's beautiful, and that's really what it's yeah. about, and I wish more people would see it, uh, see it that way. You know, I mean, I, I see a lot of people, uh, utilizing, uh, you know, a lot of resources to go after areas that have so many resources being thrown into it already with competition and stuff like that. It's like, why do you need to be the fourth or fifth person in there and fight for that? I was like, there's people who, like you said, are just dying to be able to, you know, communicate via email or, or just simply browse the internet to make their life easier, you know, and you're trying to give gigabit to people who already have hundreds of megabits. It's just, it's just a waste and waste of money and resources. But you know, what you do with your money's your business, but I applaud you for, for going after and helping those who really need it, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. And, and that's, you know, you, you just touched on a really big point there is trying to be the fourth or fifth player in a market that's already saturated with broadband is tough and our county that that i'm in the the central parts of the county always had like maybe one choice like spectrum the cable company um we we competed really well in those markets but now there's some fiber players that have spun up frontier just overbuilt with fiber in the same market and that's the thing that, that really hurts is you know frontier and then there's a new company that, that just spun up that is an offshoot of another company i won't dive into that but they're they're putting fiber right next to Frontier's new fiber plant in the same ducts, and you're like, yeah. cool. <laughs> you, the people in town have a twelfth option, uh, but what about the guy five minutes from downtown? And it just keeps happening over and over again. So I yeah. made a mistake and and deployed 
in one of those areas and then two fiber players came in you know a month after i lit up and started running their fiber in the right-of-ways and uh it's one of those where it's hard for me to go and attract customers there because you know that magic five letter f word fiber people just are drawn to it but what's crazy (laughs) is the quality of experience that we deliver on wireless is is at or better than what they're getting from joe blow fiber that just you know doesn't care about the customer in the end of the day so that's the it's the hard part and i feel i feel that the the quality of install is going down too because we know that it's just so much more difficult and time consuming to put in fiber so i think that a lot of these providers are cutting corners and just doing things willy-nilly and fast and furious just to get in the ground to say, we're here, stay away. And 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 then you you get crap in the end, you know, where when you when you have a technology like wireless to fix wireless, which naturally deploys quickly, you have time to to waste, let's say, or spend a little bit on making sure you do it the right way, you know, and it's I mean, I so that's, a, that's a huge point for sure. The uh, quality of install is one where you see these subcontractors coming in for the big guys and they'll go in and just, I mean, I drive around town and it just makes my skin crawl because you see all <laughs> of these fiber everywhere. Installs. <laughs> yeah, and, and like our superpower. Because, oh yeah, exactly. And our superpower as wireless provider um, is our customer service. Everybody knows customer service is a big win for WISPs. But like we we take a white glove approach where our installs like my installer is going to take a bunch of extra time to make the customer happy. I applaud them. I don't reprimand them for it. It's one of those where they're they're making it go. Whereas you see like the the subcontractor that rolls in punches a two inch hole to put a, a single strand of fiber into the house doesn't even seal it up has you know giant loops all over the place on the side of the house and I'm like I, I don't understand what they're doing and. Our town's just looking trashier and trashier because there's more stuff being strewn all over the place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, it's crazy. I remember when, you know, you used to see, you can see the fiber runs going through towns and down main streets and stuff like that. It's like, now you drive around, it's like five and six strands on the same pole. You know, I'm just like, holy yeah. cow. It's like, you know, you need more roughage. You need more fiber in your diet, I guess. I don't know. You know, it's a little <laughs> too much, maybe. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Yeah, when they started, uh, they started moving poles and stuff around here, uh, yeah. doing some highway expansion stuff, and it's a complete shit show because you've got to wait for all the different carriers to move everything over. So, and I don't think it's yeah. going to get any better. I mean, you know, so much is government funding's pumping in, so there's just all these pop up companies that are just looking to add a ton of subscriber count as fast as they can, ball it up with a bunch of little providers and sell it off. And exactly off. like yeah. you said, like the the end install part is not done well. You know, okay, so the the plant's probably good 20, 30 years, whatever it may be, right? But, you know, eventually all this stuff is going to be, you know, all the electronics are sketched, the, the cabinet sides are sketched. There's just so much of that stuff out there. Not to even mention, like, the poor quality of service, like, not the actual data service, but the, the customer service part, too, right? Because everyone's like, oh, I uh-huh. hate Spectrum. We got Joe Bob's Fiber Company, you know, it's part of some huge megacorp balled up and they're going to quickly realize that, hey, guess what? Their service sucks too. So, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Or they're owned by Spectrum now. So they're back. You, you like leave Spectrum to go to this new guy that comes to the town just to get bought out by Spectrum and be back on. Like, what the fuck is this, man? <laughs> it's like all those ghost kitchens. They're, they're ghost ISPs. Kind of like the ghost kitchens that popped up during COVID. Yeah. We're like, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm just going to order from Wing Shack local place and you're like oh <laughs> shit this place is actually chili so yeah yeah but, you know, we're gonna see a lot of that down the street 
yeah. yeah. Well, and, and that's so. You bring up a, a point, and in, in my thought on this whole thing is now the government grants are coming in, all these this federal dollars, state dollars that are coming in, and these guys are building fiber out in areas where there's two or three passings per mile. You know, we have houses, we have areas where there's one house per mile in our wow. county. And, you know, that's desolate stuff. And uh, so they're paying to run these. But, and that's all great. The government money went to it. My children's children's children will pay for the, you know, the grants that have been given out. But it's one of those where whenever somebody, a drunk's going down the road and hits a pole, somebody's got to operate that. So like the long, the carrier, yeah, sure. Your plant was paid for and you got to pocket probably 50% of what you were received anyway, because we know that game, but it's one of those where. How are they going to support it long term? They're not going to. You know, somebody's going to have a cut, and then in six days they'll get somebody out. I mean, there was a windstorm here, straight line, straight line tornado, the derecho or whatnot, um, that took down a thousand trees in one of our communities and it took down wow. power lines, the high voltage lines and stuff. Frontier in the rural areas had 18 days of outage on their DSL plant because. They just, they, they didn't have anybody to go fix it. And it's like, you think it's going to get better now that you've got fiber out there? It's, it's just as difficult. You, you still have the problem with the man hours. Whereas, you know, little Joe Wisp, we were out there rebuilding stuff next day and had customers online inside 24 hours. Yep. Yeah. But in the end, you know, it's, it's all about providing, you know, a local touch quality of service of the data quality of customer service, you know, and there's going to be some tough times for a lot of people out there as, as, as customers sort of hop around. But eventually, you know, in the long term, they're going to settle where the service and the value is. So, you know, it's just going to be a little little janky and a little sketchy in the process for sure. But, um, yeah, I guess I'll go back to sort of the detail side of thing or, or the, the WISP specific size of things. So you guys are running, you know, you run a lot of ubiquity stuff you have in the past, but you know, for the last, what, two years now, you've been doing a lot of Toronto and things like that. So, you know, how's that experience been with the Toronto stuff? It's the, the new, the new hot buzz, right? I think most of the ubiquity stuff, you know, is a known, known sort of element. Um, yeah. Tassos loves getting all worked up about the Toronto conversation sometimes too. Is this, but... the, part of, is this the part of the podcast where we talk about that stuff? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's get it out of the way. So, so yeah, we've been, uh, we deployed Toronto in October of 21. Um, I bought it because I didn't believe anything that was said, um, <laughs> at all. Um, you're George lying Helmuth. to me. Let me go throw my money at you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. George Helmuth at Toronto will tell you, like, he and I met in Vegas, and I was just like, before you sit down, I want you to know that I don't believe anything you say because I can't put my hands on the gear. And I yeah. was like, and if I get to put my hands on the gear and I like it, I'll tell people. But if I get to put my hands on the gear and I don't like it, I'm really going to tell people. And uh, so I, I, I wired him money the next day and uh, had the gear up before the end of October. And we were pretty impressed. Um, it does, you know, the, they've still got the laws of physics to worry about. So they're not, you know, shooting through a mile of brick walls and, you know, all these crazy things that you sometimes see stuff reported. But I will say that, you know, what expectations they set with us, um, they've met. Um, there's not been any fantasy land. And when we stretch the technology too far, um, that they, they make sure to tell us they're not like, oh yeah, you could push it 50% further, you know, things like that. Good. Mm -hmm. Um, we, we went through a lot of pain points in the beginning. They're, they're a young company. I mean, we've seen that over and over and over again in this industry from everybody. Um, so it, it's, is it a magic bullet? Um, I don't necessarily know if there's a magic bullet, uh, with anybody. Um, it's another tool in our toolbox. It, it is expensive, um, for, for capital cost. 
Um, so it's it's one of those where we're still going to be building out. I mean, you know, I talk to you all the time, Tosses, about uh, our, our horns. Um, we uh, we we still have to build out with other technologies just to make our our model financially viable. But there are areas where the five gigahertz noise floor is just unbearable, and their product seems to work better than anything we've had. Um, yep. There are areas that you know we get customers connected that we couldn't before. Um, you know the the you, you can soak a few hundred thousand dollars in inventory really quick with that product though. So it's it is one of those things that you know you've got to have the the backing or the the stomach for debt to make it happen. And yeah. uh, it, but it's been working really well for us. I uh, from a technical standpoint, um, you know, there's a lot of things that it doesn't necessarily do as far as standards go. So we've had to work around that <laughs> with our network and and, and deployments. Um, yeah. So that th- those would be some of the annoyances. Um, those are some of the annoyances, but, uh, as far as, you know, the pros go, it's just one of those that we have, uh, we have a very good success rate on, on the equipment. Now I will say, I'm kind of all over the place, but I will say one of the things that bet us is we thought it was a, such a unicorn when we first got it, that we went and deployed it, but that was winter time. And then springtime we were truck rolling, fix Please. our terrible. Yeah terrible deployments so you know it's it is you know that's roped us back into orbit we're, we're back in reality now and uh it, it's just another tool in the toolbox yeah no that's good i mean it's it's good that it's doing a lot of the stuff they said right i mean you know everybody gives me a hard time like i'm anti it and it's not it's it's really uh you know i i look at it from a big picture right, right. everything not just what it does but how the company acts how they support you and all the other things that i think are important to look for when you're judging on whether you should go with uh, particular equipment. And one of the things early on that bothered me, right, was, you know, people posting like, hey, look at this thing. I have it posting backwards 180 degrees away from the tower. <laughs> me. And I, was, I know it was you. You were one of them, right? It's like, hey, I'm getting 500 meg. And, and what bothered me about that is like, it's cool that that worked. But I was just like, you're going to teach people. People are going to think like, hey, that's that's acceptable and it's not right as you found out right yeah. leaves came and you had to turn things and readjust things and it just for me the the way it was being marketed at first because it does incredible things hands down right um and it seems like it defies laws of physics sometimes you know that you know it was making people think that that, that was acceptable i was like you're going to build out your network like that and then you're going to spend so much time going back to correct it when you know things come back and physics bites you in the ass, you know? So, but it's, no, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely proven itself uh, and being able to do a lot of things that uh, people claimed it would do. Uh, There's still a lot of things that people say that I haven't seen it do yet, you know, but time will tell. Well, and that's, and that's capacity. I haven't seen, I haven't seen a 200, uh, you know, uh, a BN with 200 RNs on it, pushing gig to everybody like they said it would. You know, I mean, it's just like, it's just no, never going to happen. That's really so. tough. Yeah, I, I've got um, a BN. So I have a site where all the subscribers have pretty good view to, to one AP, but there's three APs up there. And I've shut two of the APs off to roam a little over 100 clients to it. And it held up pretty well. Um, but I, I didn't do any long-term testing because I just, you know, I, the BNs are up there. They're paid for. I might as well just turn them on and uh, let them roll. Um, but the the one thing that, that I will say is what, every time we put a piece of gear out there, we grew forward, but we also say that we had to grow. But how much of that do we have to grow backwards? So how much do we have to support right. every time we put something out there? 
And Toronto has been a product that, you know, in the beginning, I didn't see as much benefit on the not having to grow as much backward because we were doing some poor installs. We also just didn't know the capability as with all platforms. When we did LT, we did the same thing. We overextended ourselves and created a nightmare. Well, um, now it's one of those, we've, you've got some products out there that we don't have to grow backward as much. Um, so I'm going to shout out to you guys because the horns have made it to where we don't have to grow as backward as far whenever we go and put our cambium and our, our ubiquity stuff out there. We use the horns and generally we don't have to touch things um, as often because they're just, they're zoned in and focused in. We've got our pre-seam stuff, pre-seam set it and figure it out. I don't have to ever worry about growing backwards there. Our Aviat gear, um, Aviat stuff we put up there, we don't have to grow backwards. Yep. And our, now our Toronto stuff, now that we've got it dialed in, we go and we deploy and we put that stuff out there. We generally don't have to come back and touch it unless somebody pushes the wrong button internally, which has happened. So, you know, it's one of those where it's sort of a black magic box that sits in the corner that you just don't want to touch. But as we get further and further experience with it, we're learning more about its limitations and what not to do and what to do. So when you're looking to deploy, you know, a, a new pop or some a new tower slider or something like that, I mean, you know, when you're making the, the choice as to which gear that you're using, I mean, you're looking at terrain, you're looking at your ARPUs for the areas and stuff, but what are some other factors that you sort of evaluate when you're like, you know, how much do I want to spend on this pop? How am I going to backhaul it? And things like that. Yeah. So, um, we do a lot of deep dives. Um, we'll, we'll simulate and like Google network planner or even CN heat. Like I've paid for a CN heat license for a place. I know I'm going to deploy, just don't know what. And then I'll tinker with a bunch of different coverage maps just to see what's going on in the next port from there. Um, generally what we've been doing is Tor Toronto has been kind of a de facto, it gets deployed. Um, but then what we do is we stick a Toronto RN out and then it, like, why about a grouping of 15 houses for, per, let's say. So the model becomes, do I spend, let's just say 1250 bucks by the time you buy an RN uh, you pay for the truck roll, you know, all these supplies. Do I pay for a Toronto RN for each of those? Or do I put one RN in that 15 homes and I put a few horns up and I put light beams at those end, end users and I end up spending less money and yes, they're fed with yep. that. But if I get this all 15 homes and everyone wants a hundred meg package and I say, okay, well I've, I need more bandwidth. I just go stick another RN up there. I'm still out two RNs, a few horns and things like that. So by the time I'm done, it's like I had four installs cost to go do 15 subscribers. So Toronto's kind of our de facto on their macro deployments. But as far as behind the macro deployments, we've got to use other technologies to make it work for our model because I, I'm not, we're in Appalachia, Appalachia. It's one of those where I can't go and spend uh, that kind of dollar for everyone and then charge market acceptable rates you know we're at 65 dollars for a 100 meg plan and if i went and tried to charge you know even that i'm the premium price point for not the most speed in a lot of these markets but my rural stuff i am the most speed but i'm also not cheap so if i wanted to go in and do you yeah. know if i had to go toronto to every one of those subscribers and didn't have the other tools in the toolkit if i limited myself I'd have to be $130 a month, $120 a month. And then I would be limiting the number of subscribers. So that, that's, that's kind of the price point and also the terrain, which you know about, but the, the big thing is where are the groupings? And that's how we decide where we can lay stuff. Cause it, the, the days of, you know, well, going down to, you know, California or Texas or whatever, and you get these like housing developments where 130 <laughs> houses will be sitting there. 
Like we have those in town, yeah. but like sure. town has the 12 other providers. When we go out, it's like, oh, there's the, we call them compounds because it's like, there's a family that'll have six houses that are on the homestead and then up the street, there'll be six more houses. And it's like, you've got to figure out how you can serve those guys without spending, you know, $1,500 passing. Because if you're going to spend $1,500 passing, there's other technologies that you can do. For sure. Yeah. It definitely makes those uh, deployment methods. I mean, there's a lot more, a lot more paper to pencil that you've got to figure out and the mechanics behind it, you know? Uh, and it just goes to, you know, there's, there's so many different layouts out there and it's something we've definitely talked about before, but you know, a WISP operating where you are versus central Florida versus Texas, Oklahoma, California, Valley land, you know, ag land, you know, rural versus semi, like there's so many options. And this is why that, you know, the, the tool in the toolbox approach is not only the best approach to trade, but I mean, realistically, it's gotta be the only, you know, mm-hmm. and this is where. We're seeing a lot of success, even those that are doing fiber, the hybrid networks and stuff like that, because there just is no one perfect solution. So, yeah. And that's the other thing about wireless too. I mean, there's, there, there are so many different types of options too, right? Like with fiber, it's just fiber, (laughs) you know, it's like you got faster fiber and slower fiber. You got more strands and less strands, but you know, longer distance and shorter distance, but at the end, you still got to trench the same thing. It's like, this, you know, there's more than one way to get there with wireless, you know, and, uh, it, it really, it really helps. It helps. Yeah. That's been a, a big thing that we stress when we're talking with these municipalities and going after government dollars, uh, OPM, as we call it, other people's money. Um, we get to show them a, a good, better, best setup. We'll go to them and show them, Hey, if you want this, you know, covered, but you just, this, your budget is here down at the floor um this is what you can get and then we just walk through you know as we augment coverage and at the end of the day we get these really complex quotes together and builds and they're always amazed at how many different pieces and parts we can throw together to make something happen yep yep okay uh so you mentioned using aviat you know aviat's a, a great vendor um you know very very popular in this sort of market space are you are you able to, you know, use that to feed most of your tower by calls? Are you mixing with like fiber feeds or what does that look? Just dependent look or location dependent? Yeah, so it's it's a couple different things. It's location dependent, um, but also cost is really uh what it comes down to. So we have built this pretty robust backbone, um, our primary sites, um, and we'll fiber to there and we usually do a two gig, five gig or ten gig, just depending on the demand and what the price point was. And we'll, we'll, we've got geodiverse carriers and then we'll ring them together with an Aviat. So like if we have two sites where we have fiber, um, we'll throw between those an Aviat and then we'll go and we'll start stringing, you know, all of the smaller towers. And then when you get into the real rural, we'll switch over to like a ubiquity or cambium backhaul, uh, and, and string off to them. But, um, the, the Aviat stuff, you know, is part, we consider it just like fiber. So for us, it's one of those, if I have fiber nearby, as long as I'm not more than three or four hops away, um, it's, it's been rock solid for us. And, uh, the way I look at it is, you know, by the time I'm done with licensing and everything, I'm let's say 15 grand in or whatever, the ROI on that is so short. Whenever you've got fiber carriers that are, you know, 1700 bucks for 10 gigs or whatever it may be, you know, you can really look at it and go, okay, well in three years, that Avia link is just gold. And, uh, so we've been we've been doing that augmenting between the two. I've got fiber dropped into ten spots right now in the network. Uh, I have uh, roughly fifty macro sites across the network, and uh, 
So we've got we've got a, a decent bit of Aviat gear, not as much as I'd like, but we're slowly but surely, you know, rolling that out further and further into the network. Um, your uh, you mentioned Prasim earlier. Uh, how long have you been using those, and kind of what's your your feedback? Like, is the the QoE aspect of it, or I guess you know the the traffic flattening and stuff like that? You guys have a lot of conversation on that. Uh, you seem to find it um, working for you really well. Yeah. So um, I I've, I can't. I don't know that I can claim first, but I was one of the first customers that reached out. I worked with Garrett directly. It was like so early in their their business. I had uh, Prisera, virtualized Prisera back in 2017, 2016. I think we started with that. And uh, Preseam rolled out and uh, I called and this was before they even did the QoE at all. It was just for the, you know, just the, the graphing, the, tel- the telemetry. Um, so I reached out, I wanted that. I ran it alongside of my Prisera and, uh, Garrett reached out one day. He's like, Hey, I got this new shaping FQ Coddle. I want you to try it. And, uh, I was kind of just ignored it. Cause I was like, yeah, right. That sounds like a pipe dream. Just sounds too good to be true. <laughs> and, uh, finally he called me one day. He's like, Hey, he's like, try it for a month and see how it is. Just turn your stuff off. Just please give me a shot. And I'm like, all right, I already had the appliance in play. I did it. We turned off our Prisera box. We routed traffic through the Prisim uh, appliance uh, fully and uh, just said to her, we turned on shaping. And he's like, it's on. And I'm like, is it really on? Like, I didn't notice anything at first. And uh, our call volume, like, we, we, we're data nerds. Like, we analytics on every front. So from call center to Facebook Messenger or whatever, however customers get into us, we, we track that. So our call volume took like a sharp nosedive on the support line. And I'm like, well, that's, you know, I don't know if we did something cool in the network or if the Prasim's really doing that. So we let it run for the month like Garrett asked. And then at the end of the month, I turned back on the Prasera while I went and talked to Garrett and turned off his QoE. And uh, our call volume made this sharp climb back up. And uh, I was like, well, that's, you know, that that right there is hard evidence for me. So I dove in head first and and... Um, we've stuck with them the entire time. We just went through a recent core upgrade. Uh, we use IP architects and, uh, just did a huge core upgrade to the data center, um, in Columbus. And, uh, we made sure we've got, we've got a whole stack of their appliances down there that we're running through. And, uh, it's just been a bulletproof product for us. How many subscribers do you guys have? We're a few, uh, a few thousand. So, um, organically, and then we have, uh, so there's uh, a lot to this, but we're, we're on the acquisition train. We expect to be just about triple our size over the next year. And, uh, which is through wow. acquisitions now organic growth. Um, we're, we're ramping up pretty hard. Um, we have a state project that we launched with another network operator. Um, uh, it's a jobs initiative through the state of Ohio. Um, they've put up the funds to go after these sites. There's about 205 sites, um, so far that'll be, um mapped out and then we're a wholesale carrier of that we're the exclusive in this this region um so right now we've got uh, we had five sites of theirs live um we have three new sites that went live this morning um the first 50 are all toronto the next 50 we haven't decided what they'll be but we're going to make do them in chunks of 50 um but uh on those they're going into real bandwidth hungry markets uh with multi-gig backhaul they're usually going on crown castle american tower sites you know big macro sites and uh, I don't have to pay any of the construction costs or any of that. So it really gets us ramped up. 
And uh, so we're, 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 we staffed up, we're overstaffed for our current size, but we've staffed up in anticipation of these going live because we're told that we'll have roughly 50 live over the next year. Wow. Yep. Huge. Very cool. What, uh, what sort of staff count do you have roughly kind of to support all that right now? Like you mentioned. Yeah. So including me, we have 12. Um, so in that we have our network operations manager, we have a sales manager, and accounts like customer retention accounts manager. Um, and then, uh, we have the outside shop foreman. So he manages the tower climbers and field staff. So everybody else is either a tower climber or field technician of some sort. Um, so, you know, we have the, we also use a product from uh, turnkey ISP. So we have one remote employee, um, just to catch overflow. So when network blows up or we have some, you know, like we sent 27,000 postcards out last week. And, uh, those 27,000 postcards generated a couple hundred leads. So, um, and they're still generating leads today. So it just, it overruns the, the small staff that I have for inside of the house and, uh, that we use them to, to catch. So we're at 12 today, including me though. No, I mean, it's pretty clean and efficient. You know, one of the, the things that at least I like asking, you know, any sort of things is, you know, what are your biggest hurdles or challenges? And a lot of the times it's labor, mm-hmm. you know, some people, you know, they've gotten luckier. They've built it from something where they already had kind of an existing labor force. But a lot of times, people's, you know, the biggest hurdle is finding, you know, quality labor. And, um, you know, where, where are you facing that? Or, you know, have you been able to get that spun up pretty easily? Or what's that look like? Or, you know, do you have much other sort of looming challenges that you're much more concerned about at the moment? Yeah. I, so I, I've been very fortunate on the labor front. Um, so we're, part of a larger private equity group. And, uh, I hate the word private equity cause they're more like family office just with private equity pockets. Um, so they've been very, it sounds, it sounds so dark and like yeah, scary and yeah. evil too, you know, <laughs> private equity. You're yeah. like, no, these are just like good folks with money. So. Yeah. It's, that's it. And they're, I mean, it's their CEO started out as a customer and just wanted to invest. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been wonderful. They've really helped us with the labor side because, I mean, they've given us a name, a backing, and, you know, so we're able to offer just benefits that are unheard of in this space and, and pay packages that are also, yeah, we've, you know, I have no shortage of, of applicants whenever we go and put a, a, a job out there and, uh, we are able to, and we keep our people. So that's the best part is like, we put our, our people in there and then, you know, as long as they stick with our core values, I mean, we'll work with whatever struggles come up in their lives and, and make it happen. Um, you know, looming challenges or, or the, the, the things that the hurdles that we face, um, you know, it's, it's deployment. Um, sometimes that gets sticky. You know, we've got a lot of park shortage, uh, impact that's affected us. You know, we were deploying faster than we can buy for a long time. You know, we, we'd go buy out, and, you know, um, there would, there would be a specific micro tick skew that we'd want and we'd go buy every distributor. We just buy their inventory and then shipping containers show up at the warehouse and then you deploy all of that. And you're thinking in the back of your mind, I've got all these parts and then you've deployed all of them and deployed, you know, you've got deployments waiting. So that's been our, our challenge. And then also just, you know, the marketing side, we've been, we're known in our home turf. So we have a name here, but we've branched out now where like yesterday I had an hour and 25 minute drive and that wasn't even to the far side of my network. And when you get into that, these people have no idea who we are and they've been burnt by all these fly by nights and the satellite players that, that resell HughesNet and stuff. 
so they're looking at us like we're just you know foreign and there's no there's no uh insight for them to know who we are they look at the web and they're like they don't know what to believe and everybody ignores your marketing so that's been you know uh, we've we hired a real big hitter on the marketing front we've been working on that for the last two months but that's been our thing is you build it and you figure you built the watering trough they're going to come drink and then you're like they're choosing to have no internet in some of these markets that you've dropped a six-figure investment into and it's it's now they're starting to trickle in but you want that initial impact where you get 100 signups the day you announced it as live and sometimes you just don't get that and that that hurts yeah. I, I would think also at some point i mean i don't i don't know how the financial model works for that right but you know like you said when you have to drive 2 hours to get to one end of your network or you start growing it seems like at some point it's it's time to open up some local offices over there right yeah. cuz all all you need is you know the the one person who answers the phone in that office that's a local that all of a sudden now you have roots there right now all of a sudden you're not just some outside uh you know uh, entity that's coming in and it's going to burn everybody right exactly so. and that's part of what we're that's, that's a really good point and that's something we've explored and that's part of what we're doing on these acquisitions we're working on is when we buy someone it's not to go in gut it and do our thing with it it's to buy it and then you know bring our our power of processes and people to play yep. and bring those people up to snuff with what we're doing and take and there's a lot of times we'll go in there's somebody we acquired and we'll learn a bunch of things that you know we just oh they do this better than us and we'll adopt that across the entire company but then we we'll also have the local office at that point but some of these markets you know through the state project we're dropping in where we just have you know the logistics of getting an office spun up in the time where it's a town of you know 250 people is tough but sure it is something yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. we need to explore further and that, that's a really good point yeah, that's a tough nut to crack when you're like, oh, you're from an hour and a half away. Well, that's like a whole nother land, yeah. right? Like, we haven't known your family's family from, you know, four generations back kind of deal. Exactly. But, um, you know, it's just tough. But, uh, okay. Um, what's the other? Oh, the being part of the group. So every time you post something where you've got pictures from in the warehouse, right? <laughs> you're like, hey, I got this new tower. I got, hey, I got this cool new thing. And no one cares about that. They're only concerned about this massive warehouse you've got. And I always <laughs> just laugh. It's just so funny. Yeah, man. That's it's Hunter and ISP Supplies uh, bust my balls about that all the time. Um, but it's, uh, th that warehouse is, is a treat. Um, so part of the, the private equity side, they have a bunch of different spots. And in that one, we have a couple hundred thousand square foot. Um, there's a, we, they also have a <laughs> half million square foot building, uh, the rubber manufacturing. Um, so, but it's, it's crazy. Like we kind of, we get thing, we get access to things that we probably don't deserve. You know what I mean? Just, just through this connection. And, uh, we take it yeah. for granted, but that was the first, I never realized how like special that truly was until the first time I'd ever posted a picture in there. And it got like 200 comments of everybody just like, I don't care about that. I want that warehouse. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Like I, I drive my dually in there and with a 30 foot trailer and do full turnarounds in there. And I'm not even using 100 donuts. Of, yeah, yeah. Just nothing at all of the space. And, uh, yeah. so it is, it is really nice. Um, it was a just you know with that much space it became a disorganized mess for us uh in one spot so we recently took two days and just i mean whipped it into shape and um we've you know really 
started utilizing it more and more. So now we're building more and more sites. We actually, uh, we pre-build all of our towers in there. We break them down so that they're semi-loadable and we haul them out that way. And, uh, that's a, you know, that's like a superpower being able to build something like that indoors. And, uh, it's an old grocer. Um, it was like a grocery warehouse. So I think the entire facility is 325,000 square foot. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's and you know you don't realize just how much of an efficiency booster it is. Like you said, being able to pre-assemble stage stage projects, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. I visit a lot of WISPs, um, or just a lot of companies in general that are related to this. And you know, you you spend half your time trying to find where oh this is for this project, and it's two months down the road or excess inventory, and it's buried under eighty pallets of other stuff, right? Yeah. So being able to to kind of spread out and organize is is super awesome. So. I'm also like, oh man, I could put like a cooker in there and like a little 22 range. Like there's all, there's so much room for activities. Yeah. The guys so, that work in the warehouse actually have a, a, like a Blackstone grill that sits in the corner and they're always using it. So you go over there some days and it smells real good. Smart people. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. Hey man, you keep folks fed, uh, they, they tend to stick around for sure. Yeah, so it works. So, I mean, that's how I've stayed married this long, right? So, <laughs> so you know, Ron, we've asked you a lot of questions. We've just kind of been hammering, you know, you with, with questions and stuff like that. Um, you know, as we sort of tail off this little bit, you know, is there anything specifically you want to really you know, bring up, talk about, a soapbox or anything like that? Yeah, I think um, something that, that I'd like to talk about is um, politics, um, and I know I hate politics but i don't know if you guys have followed or heard um what yeah <laughs> if you guys have followed or heard what happened here in ohio that's that's just happening right now with house bill 33 so it's it's right. coming coming to a state near you um this just happened in ohio where the state budget um a, a senator mccauley uh proposed this uh verbiage or legislation into the state budget and we fought like hell um every day to try and get it removed and it didn't happen this House Bill 33 got a provision that says that no wireless carrier can get state-provided funds. So we got locked out of bead for wireless. And uh, so what happened is Searchlight Capital, which is a GPIs group, um, he uh, he slid that to Macaulay. But rumor has it there's about eight or nine other states that they're pr proposing that to it right now as well. And uh, so it's just one of those things where I, I kind of just always had my blinders on and ignored what was happening in the Capitol. Um, and now I, I've, I've actually signed the papers today and submitted them. Um, going to be state coordinator here in Ohio for broadband, uh, with WISPA. Oh, right. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's, I've always just kind of ignored it because to me, it just didn't affect me. Like nobody ever had their eye on this area. Like we're not Cleveland, Columbus, Pittsburgh, you know, one of those areas. Yep. Um, but now, you know, there's, there's serious impact for that. So it's going to force us into fiber, I think a little bit, but there's also going to be some workarounds, but. Um, you know, the thing is, is it, unfortunately we were the first, I think, state that had that language go through. Um, but we learned that we weren't quick enough to act and we weren't in the ear of the right people, um, to get it, you know, removed. So I think the other states that are going to face this, we've got, you know, we got a little bit of experience fighting with them. We haven't won one yet, but I'd like to see WISPA fight, you know, to, to get that removed elsewhere. So that's just something I'd, I'd bring up. So do, do you know uh, what these other states are, like where this might be coming to? Uh, I'm, I, so I, that's, I took last week off and a week out of um, town is uh, 
has killed me on on connectivity with uh, the folks that I was meeting with. So Steve Schwerbel, um, at Wisp, I'll, I'll defer to him, um, and I can give you his if you have his email, um, maybe put it in the the description of the video. But Steve would be someone good to talk to at Wispa. Um, he, uh, he has a, his ear to the ground really well on this. Um, there's another piece to this that I guess I should have mentioned too. Um, one of the things that, um, some of the states are doing, and I think it was Montana and don't quote me hundred percent on that, but I think Montana where they were setting like, uh, uh, the excessive cost was, so you couldn't use money on wireless unless it was like an excessive cost to do fiber or some other player. But they set their um, dollar amount to some like six figure, you know, per passing. It was just like you're just always going to be able to do it because you know, even if it's one house per mile, it's going to, you know, be under the $150,000 threshold. And uh, right, yeah. so that's another thing that I just I feel like as Wisps, um, you know, we don't have the big bag of money to run around and hand the politicians, whereas the cable guys do and the fiber guys do. And it, it just it leaves us in the dust, but I think us being, you know, JJ McGrath is somebody that I would, I would give huge props to because he's very well grounded and connected with politicians and politics in general. Um, I've not been, and I know a lot of WISP operators haven't been. So, you know, if we were more vocal and more in the, uh, the, the spotlight and, you know, showing what we do, cause you go ask 50 politicians, none of them would pick our market segment is my guess. It's one of those, they just sure. don't know what we do and they don't know the impact that we've had. So, yeah. And I wonder how much of this is, is not really necessarily targeted specifically the WIS space, but it is your Verizons and your T-Mobiles and stuff like that. Sure. But a lot sure. of your WIS space is, is a casualty of that. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Cause I can guarantee you 99% of politicians out there don't know what a, a, a true WISP is, right? They're just All like, right. oh, wireless yes. is, must be AT&T and Verizon and they're bad. Yeah, so yeah. we're going to go with this other megacorp that is like 1% less bad, I guess. I don't know. So yeah, I think, point. I think that's a lot of it. And like, we just got caught up in the, the frag part of that grenade too. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's probably a very fair assumption uh, to make. Yeah. No, I, I think it's, it's extremely accurate actually. Uh, I mean, but that's, that's just the way we are. I mean, we're scrappy. We, 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 you know, we, we like to fight and, and do things like we are with the big boys too, right? Because we are fighting against them as well, right? So it's one, one, one big kind of wireless family. They're just, uh, you know, they suck. But anyway, um, that, yeah, maybe Steve should be a, a good guy to, to get on the show. Maybe our next podcast will be with him and we can discuss it. Because I think, you know, I mean, it's obviously terrible news to hear that it's actually happened. I mean, we what we've been hearing is, you know, everything went from fiber only. Now they're starting to talk about other technologies to bring it in. So this is going backwards again. I think we need to bring some some light to this, find out where those states are and find out who the operators are in those areas and let them know that they need to, you know, uh, start talking to the right people there and, and, and fight this so it doesn't happen. So. Yeah, the... Uh... Sounds like a good the thing on us. So Steve brought that to my attention initially, and then uh, we assembled a group of lobbyists and government affairs folks from. I mean, we had Dish Network on the call. We three calls a week on average is what we were doing. We had Dish Network on the call. We had uh, Cincinnati Bell, um, Toronto's government affairs people. Um, we had Metalink, uh, the guys from Metalink. I don't know if you know them. They're they're amazing. Um, I they, they had their mm -hmm. folks on there. Phil Mag was on there. Um, it just, I mean, we had like 30 people on, on each call each week and, uh, like three calls. And then 
the lobbyists would go in and do things. We brought in a political consultant here at Smartway and had that person in the ears of like lieutenant governor and things, but it just, there wasn't enough need. For, they, they felt that it wasn't a big enough thing to spend political capital on to, to push, to have that struck. There was other things that were sucking all the air out of the room and uh, that's why where yeah. we landed. So it's one of those where if you can spin up a similar effort in other states and make a bigger stink earlier, I think you might get further along. Yeah, and this this something we've actually talked to you know on, in previous podcasts about is the the political side of things, and you know is yeah the the national level is really unapproachable for most folks out there, but there's so much work that you can do on that local level, the mm-hmm. the, the city level, the the county, even the state, you know and. I think a lot of your your state politicians are used to being sort of headhunted and poached by the bigger companies, but there's you know there's a number of folks out there that understand what a you know a local business can provide, and there's been so much of a push for like local local it's got a lot of weight to it, and I think a lot more weight than it has in a long time, right? So you know you've got to kind of learn to do that dance and and wash your hands a lot because sometimes it's, it's kind of nasty, but you know it's really a part of the game, so. Especially with so much of this uh, new funding, you know, it's all state controlled. You know, there's a lot of benefits to that. There's some pain points as well. But I mean, there's a lot of benefits to each state kind of determining how they're going to do it on their own. And, you know, there's a lot of places with still a lot of flexibility. So, you know, what you're saying is get out, get involved. I mean, 100%. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, I think that really kind of wraps it up for all the questions I've got. Tassos, you got anything else? No, that's it. It's been a great, uh, great conversation. I appreciate you coming on. Probably. I like uh, your little things you got going up to the license plate, 100 megabit. You know, I'm a big proponent of that. Uh, you know, the gig to the home thing is uh, a waste of money and resources. And I like your little 3D pattern you have out there. It looks familiar. Yeah. 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 Actually, you know what's funny is I got a Facebook memory. I want to say uh, it might have been yesterday. Uh, my Facebook memory was I had posted it and tagged you in something. So it was weird that like that, yeah. that popped up with this show coming up. But uh, yeah, it's we. I always try to have some trinkets that are there. You know, the people that don't know what wireless is that walk in and see that RF pattern print, ask what in the hell is up there. But uh, so that's always a fun. Like I let them guess first; they never want to say what they're guessing. But it's uh, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> but I appreciate you guys having me on for sure. It was it was it's a been been great great time talking. Yep. Anyone uh, looking to, to, you know, reach out to you or find you, what's the best way for they to find you? Yeah. So uh, you can go on our website, thinksmartway.com. That's T-H-I-N-K, smartway.com. And then uh, I, uh, am I good to share my email? Because I'm an open book. I always have been. Yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah sure. Uh, so I'll, I'll, you can even put it in the description if you'd like. It's R-G-R-E-W-E-L-L at thinksmartway.com. So I'm an open book if there's anything. If you're new Wisp starting up, I'll tell you where to go for the best taco trucks. If you are uh, a uh, an experienced Wisp that just wants to, to vent or connect, please don't hesitate to reach out and uh, go from there. Awesome, awesome. We really appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much. So uh, Tassos, folks looking for us, where can they find us? Yeah, you can find us all over on social media platforms like uh, the Facebook groups, Instagram, LinkedIn, and stuff. Of course, our website, rfelements.com, or you could always email tossos at rfelements.com or caleb at rfelements.com. All right, all right. Well, until next time, everyone, y'all be good out there. Bye. Take care. See ya.